0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of Buttermilk Boulevard. I'm your host James, and today we are talking about 2020 Albums of the Year. I kind of ranked them in a top 10-ish kind of thing. We're going to talk about some honorable mentions, the Album of the Year. But before we do that and get this thing started, a little bit of administration out of the way... Um, I've moved over to a new hosting site called Buzzsprout, 100% better than what I was using. Um, No offense to SoundCloud. SoundCloud is an amazing software, but it is very specific to music. And I am a podcaster, (laughs) so I didn't know how to do this thing when I started all of this. So we've moved over to Buzzsprout, and Buzzsprout has spreaded me ...everywhere, has sprouted the seeds in various podcasting platforms. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Welcome to this glorious podcast. If you are new... I talk about music, amongst other things, and usually we're talking about discographies of your favorite bands and the artists behind them. But sometimes we just talk about music as a whole. Uh, Occasionally we have a top ten list. Occasionally we talk about just random things. It just varies, you know? You know how this thing goes, man. But really it's just a train of consciousness that you're listening to. Me ranting for about an hour and a half. If you do enjoy the podcast, consider following, subscribing, whatever your various uh, podcast uh, sites have it as. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, yeah, so we are available everywhere now. If you have Spotify, we are on Spotify now, of all things. And Amazon Music, uh, or something like that. I don't know. There's a few sites out there that basically Buzzsprout um, assisted me in distributing it. To all of these platforms. So we should be available pretty much anywhere that you may be able to listen to podcasts, um, except for maybe a few select sites here and there that made it a little bit more than more difficult than necessary. Um, Spotify was a goal of mine, so I'm very happy that we're on there. So like I said, if you enjoy it, consider downloading, liking, following, whatever it may be on your podcasting platform. <laughs> uh we're getting professional here in Buttermilk Boulevard. <laughs> um I, of course, we do have Instagram, uh, social medias, of course. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, what? Did I just say that? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter's the third one we have. Uh, Buttermilk Boulevard Pod. Look for us on there. Follow us. Send us a comment on those social platforms. Uh, you can't really comment on podcasts themselves, but if you go to those social media platforms, you have ideas that you'd like me to cover in the future, or perhaps you just want me to check out this band or... Uh, Maybe we'll do a review for an album or anything like that. Just hit me up on those different social media accounts and we can kind of go over that stuff. Uh, Maybe I'll do it on the platform. Maybe I won't. Um, uh, That being said, we are talking about the albums of the year. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven albums of the year apparently. So top eleven albums of the year. Why? Because fuck all. Why not? Um, I will say that in the course of 2020, I listened to. A lot of records. Um, 498 albums is how many I listen to. Some people are freaking the fuck out right now, but really, that's not even close to some of these like review sites that do this on a daily basis. Um, I mean, that's probably not even half of the albums that somebody like Loudwire would have to listen to, or uh, Metal Injection, or uh, you know, just review sites like Revolver or. Uh, billboard for instance i mean those people are listening to albums constantly they do have more staffing so it may not be a single person but i bet uh, i don't know where i'm going with this but essentially yeah i listen to a fuck ton of albums and these are my top 11 yeah i know it's a weird number 11 albums i got some honorable mentions to go through as well um some that either didn't make the cut or didn't really uh I didn't want to categorize it as necessarily the same way as the other ones. Um these aren't the end all be all. There are a lot a lot of good records in 2020 and I think a lot of people it, it goes without saying that because a lot of artists were struggling some of them like some of them making money off of tours and stuff they didn't have those options so there was a lot of releases, like several releases in a row, um, of just, here's an album, here's an album, here's an album, you know, three or four albums in a single year, uh, which is unheard of, of course, but given the circumstances and the year that it was, um, artists had to do that. They didn't really have much of a choice. Um, I kind of, uh, Bulb, for instance, is probably a band that nobody's really heard of. But Bulb is uh, Misha from Periphery, who we have done a discography on. Man, I'm going to hate myself for not editing this later. (laughs) But uh, Bulb came out with uh, eight albums, I think, in total in 2020 alone. And I think they're planning on another record. I don't know if it's like a full-fledged one. All of them were instrumentals. And that's not to say that they were struggling per se. It's just it's seemed like a passion project that Misha had Um, again, band periphery. Um, It it seemed like a passion project that he had that he wanted to kind of just he never really got the chance to do it because of, you know, circumstances and stuff like that. And maybe 2020 just gave him the opportunity to go out there and experiment a little bit more, put out all these ideas that he had that he wasn't able to do for periphery and et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's plenty of examples of that kind of thing happening as well, where artists are just taking advantage, but there were, I prob- I would probably say of 2020, I would bet that most releases that you saw were either live albums or, uh, live albums, remasters slash re-releases or, um, EPs. There was a fuck ton of EPs that came out this year. I have not considered any of the above on this list, just going into it. And this is all my opinion, of course. I just want to go into it very straightforward. These are all my opinion. And honestly, because 2020 was such a weird, weird year, there's, there's going to be a few easily recognizable things on my list that a lot of people said were their favorites, but there's also going to be a few that nobody maybe even considered their favorite. Maybe you hated one of the albums that I talk about today, um, but you know, maybe maybe not. Maybe you loved it. I, I don't know. We'll kind of go into it, I guess. That's why I have those social medias. Um, that being said, it's a long-winded way of saying um, a lot of these are my opinions. I, I didn't really have Um, Much of an analytical (laughs) brain, like I said, I'm going to hate myself for not editing this later. (laughs) Um, I didn't have much of an analytical brain going into some of this. So um, these are honestly just straightforward, simple qualifications as far as whether or not it's my albums of the year. And I listened to like 400 of them. So my simple qualification was one, I enjoyed it. (laughs) and uh uh, two i guess was the the it's an album that i went back to for repeat listens um something as simple as that means a lot with 498 albums Um, (laughs) or however the fuck many it was and there are some albums that i revisited that i you know was like maybe i should re give this a re-listen because a lot of people tended to like it or um you know maybe there was some albums that i did release re-listen to that were just kind of Personal type of things. Um, I would say out of everything that I listened to this year, there really wasn't a lot of albums that I consistently went back to to listen to again, have those repeat listens because I like specific songs on them or something like that. There really wasn't a lot of those. A lot of these albums I listened to it once and I completely forgot it even came out. And there were some on top 10 lists on like Metal Injection, Metal Sucks, uh, you know, all of those type of things. And I'm not just a metal only thing. That's just what I listen to currently in my life. Um, <laughs> but there were plenty of albums that were absolutely amazing. I'll give you kind of an example. The Akeia Stain, which I'm probably KC Stain. I'm probably saying that wrong. Slow Decay album. Absolutely loved it. It was fucking Fantastic. But I didn't really go back to it. And those are one of those albums that keeps coming up this year. Um, there's one album, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Maybe I can scroll through my uh, Excel sheet of things. Catatonia. Um, Catatonia had city burials and everybody was talking about that. I feel like the entire year people were talking it up, talking it up, talking it up. And I, it wasn't for me. It just like I it never clicked with me. I don't know what it was. I was trying to really honestly figure out why it was so well received, not because it's a bad album. All the musicianship is good. I just, it never clicked with me. It never vibed with me, but something like that is, and I like a, kind of what I'm getting at here is that, That kind of thing, the Catatonia record, those may not be on my list, but that doesn't mean I didn't like them necessarily. That just means maybe they didn't qualify or fit into my simple categories of one. I enjoy it and also that I re-listened to it a few times. Um, There's also some that I wanted to put on here, um, but I couldn't find a place for them like Kill or Be Killed. I felt like it was too new and too recent to put Kill or Be Killed um, onto my list. onto my list simply because I felt like maybe because of the hype of newness, <laughs> is that how it's said? Uh, the freshness of the album. I, I felt like was, it was too fresh for me to be like, yeah, that's the best album in the world because there's a lot of those albums that I had early in the year that I felt were amazing when they came out that I later kind of updated and was like, you know what? I don't really care about this. Um, and then there was some that I didn't care about when they came out that I came to love and that are on this top 10 list um I'm kind of beating around the bush here we should probably just get into this review <laughs> I mean, that's why you're here right to listen to my uh top albums of the year um these aren't really in particular order um besides maybe the the couple of first three I say. Um, really it's just, I had a list of Excel sheets. Here's the 11 slots that I can fit it in. Here are the albums that i like. I will start with the honorable mentions though, before we get into that. I don't, I hate it when they go from 10 to one and they stop between two and one to do their honorable mentions. Like, Hey, Hey, we'll get there. You know, they're trying to tease you to listen. <laughs> you know, I don't give a fuck. I will stop watching you if you do not, if you do that type of bullshit. Cause I don't, I don't have time for that. Just do the honorable mentions first. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, first on our honorable mentions list, and these I'm probably not going to, just uh, heads up, these couple of albums that I got here, I'm probably not going to go into too in-depth of their, like, any of these records, to be fair, too in-depth on their stuff. Maybe I can do an album review later or a discography on some of these bands. But at the moment, I'm just going to basically list them out and be like, you know, this is why or why not. Um, I So this first one, I'm a little nervous to say because I feel like I'll be... Uh... <laughs> offending somebody just by its name, but I believe it's Pusifer or Pusifer (laughs) existential reckoning. That's, uh, that's Maynard from tool and, um, also perfect circle and a couple of other bands. I believe he's in. but Pusifer or, um, something like that is the, is basically the passion project is my understanding of Maynard. Um, so he, he came out with a record this year, and I really, really, really wanted to put this on my top 10. I think the reason I did not put it on my top 10, just to kind of get this out of the way, is that it it was a little bit too weird for me. Um, there were records like that that came out in 2020 that were, you know, like I said, they were good, but, you know, it's just a little too odd. Like, I, I get what you're trying to do, but sometimes it felt like over-experimentation rather than actual, like, crafting and songwriting type of thing. And somebody like Maynard, usually everything is very intentional when their songwriting is concerned. Something like Tool, like I said, and Perfect Circle. Those are very intentionally weird. Um but this album felt like it was intentionally weird to be intentionally weird rather than intentionally weird to um I guess build a melody around it, if that makes any sense at all. There are songs, I mean, there's one of my albums on the top 10 list that are really fucking weird, but it's done well. Like, it's experimentation that's done well and treated well. Um, This album, it had that because it is on an honorable mention. And the albums are good. The melodies and the choruses of this album, Existential Reckoning, phenomenal. It's, It's a great record and really is a testament as far as musicianship is concerned with really anything Maynard is involved in. Um, But it's, again, it was just a little bit too weird to uh, warrant repeat listens. And I think that was the biggest thing that kind of turned me off from putting it on the album of the year uh, category. Um, The next one, which we'll just get right into again, we're just going to go through these, is uh, Lamb of God. Lamb of God is the name of the album, which is weird that they haven't had an album named after themselves um, so, uh, Lamb of God's album, Lamb of God, also released in 2020. All of these have uh, the no brainer, but um, I did like it. I enjoyed it, but I felt like it was one of those albums, much like Aussie, which I know a lot of people might take offense to. This were good because of the name recognition. Um, if that makes any sense, I I did enjoy Lamb of God's album. And especially the songs like Memento Mori, which is the single off the track or off the record, um, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's really cool. It's really headbang worthy. It's very interesting. And, you know, that kind of fist pumping, angry metal was really needed in 2020 when it actually came out. Um, But I do think that some of those delays and some of the hype built around the name recognition um, was really why this album went. Rated so highly in a lot of people's you know reviews and stuff. Um, It's the same thing with Ozzy. Ozzy, I saw that Ozzy album on a lot of top tens, and I really did feel like that was a hundred percent name recognition. That was Ozzy is the Gucci, you know, the Gucci or the coach of uh, of metal bands or records in general. Um, So yeah, so it, it it was just. When I listened to it, I liked it because it was lame of God, but after sitting with it for a while, I realized that some of the album was a little bit tedious, um, paced a little odd, and a little bit unoriginal. Um, not to, again, not to butcher it, but this is just the reason why I didn't make album of the year. It is honorable mention, and out of 400-something records, it made my honorable mentions category but it just felt a little tedious at times like after a couple of repeat lessons i was like you know what? i don't really want to listen to this anymore i've heard it enough you know i i got everything i needed to hear out of the album basically on the first couple of listens through um, so there really wasn't there too much to uh make me come back to it, I should say. So that's kind of why I didn't make my album of the years. Um, But it is really good. It is a, still a really good record. Uh, I mean, Lamb of God, you know exactly what you're getting in this record. If you've heard any Lamb of God song, that's really what this album is. Um They're very consistent, cohesive. Everything sounds great. It's, like I said, headbang worthy. If you're angry after work and you need something to listen to while you're in traffic, great album to do that. <laughs> so Lamb of God is good, but... Um, really it's just an honorable mention for now. The next one is, uh, bring me the horizon post human. A lot of people love this album and yeah, these are a lot of metal bands. I know we'll get to some stuff that isn't, um, bring me the horizon, this post human album, it had a similar kind of thing with lamb of God's album where the initial listen through, I think it may have flipped, um, the initial listens through of the album. I was kind of wondering why everybody was freaking out about it when it came out um I enjoyed it and again it's another album with some good head banging moments you know some good sick quality melodies in it um and it is one of the better albums I listened to in 2020 but it was also I felt um uh, just a little bit underwhelming when I first listened to it and some of the albums I listened to were that way. I think I've come to respect the album more, the more I have listened to it. Cause there's, I've noticed the little nuances and stuff like that. But because of that, I feel like the album itself. um I, I, I don't like it when somebody tells me to, you have to l- watch the first three seasons of something before you can get into it. That happens a lot with like anime. If there's any anime fans out there or, you know, even just, just seasons like, I don't know, True Blood or something like that. It's one of those things where people are like, no, 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 trust me, it gets good in season three. Breaking Bad is a good example of that. I did not like Breaking Bad when I was watching season one and two, when it was initially coming out. And there was a lot of people that was like, trust me, bro, pick it It picks up in season three, and there's only five seasons. It's like, do I have to watch half of a show that's really bad in order to enjoy an entire Encompassing thing. You know, I don't want to do that. I want to sit through 900 episodes of One Piece. Uh, And I have to get through 500 of them in order to really understand how good it is. It's not good if half of it's bad. (laughs) So uh, bring me the horizon not to say it's bad. That was a long-winded way of saying that basically I didn't like the idea that I had to listen to it several times in order to finally appreciate what the album was. And that's kind of why it qualified as an honorable mention rather than an album of the year. Um, probably could have started with that, <laughs> but uh, the next album on my honorable mentions, we got a couple here left. Which Hazel, uh, number three, Pentecost. Uh, this is really just a selfish thing. I really wanted to put this on album of the year. It has such a cool retro, nice feel. But I will say it gets a little boring after a while. Uh, too much listening to it too much, even if you have it on the background, you start to just get that itch that you need to change to something you know what i mean i i don't really have a better way of describing it but i felt like maybe it was a little bit too uh tedious um too repetitive after a while um so it didn't really warrant like repeat listens or even if you do the um i have to move my mic around um, Not repeat listens, but if you do like um, if you actually add yeah, as a repeat list, if you just repeat the whole album from beginning to end um, just constantly, it, it just gets a little dry after a while. Um, but I love that retro vintage kind of rock feel that it has. And it is kind of metalish, but I would probably put it in a rock category. It's got some of the like. Um, you know, holding a sword, fighting a dragon, saving a damsel in distress, it, but it's not power metal. Um, but it's that kind of thing. It, and it feels nice. It feels authentic. And really, it's just really good musicians in that band. I don't know any of them. It's the first time listened for me. So uh, moving on in a very similar kind of way to hit Witch Hazel is Black Rainbow. Uh, cosmic spiritual super trip. I really want this fucking out. Al- I want this album on vinyl because th- it has that quality 60s, 70s rock and roll feel. It is so good, and I feel like it was so underlooked. And I really want to put it in my album of the year, but um this has a similar thing that Post Human did or Lamb of God, where the album didn't really warrant the repeat listens that it needed. Um, it is a phenomenal record. And I do, if you like that kind of 60s, 70s rock, where it's just kind of that, like uh, that mix of like spacey hippie music and hard rock, um, you would love it. I mean, black rainbows, rainbows, like authentically classic in a modern band, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, again, I really want it on vinyl. I feel like this album works well on that kind of, uh, media, but, um, Long story short, while it is a good record, when I revisited it a few times, it just kind of felt dry. So it's the same kind of same kind of issue that I had with the other records that I wanted to put on my album of the year, but just didn't quite fit there. Um, so I got two two ones that are a little bit different. Um, I'll start with Parcels, Parcels Volume One. I think. I listened to this record probably more than any kind, any record the entire year. The only reason it's not my album of the year is because it's not new music. It's all music. It was like a live session that they did for YouTube. Everybody should listen to Parcels. They're so fucking cool and relaxing and chill. Their musicianship is on point. Um, just everything they do is so, so cool. They're I think they're an Australian band, if my memory serves. But they're so good. Um, And it's very like that funk kind of pop. Again, another retro kind of 60s feel. I think it has everything for everybody. Um, But again, the only reason it didn't really qualify for Album of the Year is because it's all not new music. It's a lot of music that um, had come out previously or was being um, just done for the live session. So uh, I think, honestly, I listened to a few of their albums that wasn't their live volume one. And I think that maybe their live volume one is their best record, even though that they had, even though it's all songs that are on their previous albums. So, um, but yeah, it's a great album. It's just not new. It's not new music, but it did come out in 2020. So that my one exception for live tracks, I suppose. Um, another one, which is another exception to like the soundtrack rule that I don't put those on here. Uh, Last of Us two, I will say. Um, I did kind of have a rediscovery of soundtracks this year, Uh, movies, video games, uh, horror movies specifically, like Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack, the Hellraiser soundtrack. These are things that I I had listened to kind of in passing because I'm a big horror fan. But I never really sat down and listened to the album. It's really just in the context of the movie that I ever heard it. So... Something like this, uh, I have had this kind of rediscovery of it, so I'm trying to implement it more into my podcast to try and encompass all music, not just metal and rock. Um, And I did listen to a lot of stuff. We'll get into my top ten shortly. Eleven, whatever. Uh, Last of Us 2 soundtrack. The Last of Us 2, whether or not you like the video game, is completely irrelevant, and I don't want to even fucking hear it when it comes to what I'm talking about here, because I am strictly talking about the fucking music. Um, I did like the video game, but again, we're not here to talk about that. The soundtrack for Last of Us 2 is a masterpiece. Like, the only reason I'm not putting it on my top 11 is so I don't break my rule to include soundtracks. (laughs) That's the only reason. Um, And I am not a person that listens to instrumental stuff. But it is so good. What what they do in The Last of Us 2 soundtrack, it builds so much atmosphere. You don't even have to play the video game to have all of the atmosphere that the video game provides. It's that kind of post-apocalyptic, you know, very smooth, but it's it's all guitar work, too. It's like classical guitar work in a modern era, and it's it just works so well, and I really do like that album. I did buy that on vinyl. They came out with, like, this... Um, this art thing. Somebody did like an art art rendition of the soundtrack or something. And so I bought that. Um, And I've listened to it constantly. Like it, it is great music to have on in the background when you're working or doing something busy, uh, cleaning, whatever. Um, But that's all my honorable mentions, which, so we'll get into the nitty gritty. Now the thing that everybody's here to hear me talk about Um, the top 11 (laughs) albums of the year (laughs) Uh, top 10 plus one albums of the year. Um, I'll start with the one that I I suppose is, while it's number 11, it's probably more of an honorable mention than it is my album of the year. uh, Albums of the year. Avatar Hunter Gatherer. I don't know that I've talked about this in the past. This is a band that I need to do a discography on at some point. Um, I really wanted to kind of do it when this album came out, but, uh, you know, shit happens. And I was doing the big four podcasts or whatever. I, uh, I've seen avatar probably more in concert than any other person in the world. <laughs> any other artist, any other singer songwriter, you name it. I've seen avatar probably more than any of them. Um, maybe in this moment is the second or maybe even first, I don't know, but in this moment, avatar and probably anything guns N' roses related, like slash when he's doing his solo stuff or, you know, uh, I've never seen velvet revolver, but I saw guns N' roses when they came to Dallas. Um, Long story short, I've seen Avatar a fuck ton and I love their music and their live performance is everybody should see it. It's so, so good. So entertaining. They put on such a good show. One of the best live bands I've ever seen, which is why I've seen them so constant. Um, same thing with In This Moment. Even if you don't like the In This Moment music, these live shows are phenomenal. Um, I'm a little sad that In This Moment didn't make this category, unfortunately, but um you can go check out my review of that to see why I probably wouldn't make Album of the Year for me. I wanted it to be, but it just was a little disappointing. Um, Avatar, Hunter-Gatherer. The reason it's number 11 is because this is the album that I didn't really care for when I listened to it the first time. Um, and I know that's kind of me being a hypocrite because I said that to some of my honorable mentions. But I've listened to this album a lot since... They came out and those songs are so catchy after a while. Like after a while you just start humming them in your head, they get stuck in your head. You just can't stay away from the album. It's so good, so good. Um and the reason it's good is because it is like a post-apocalyptic esque album, like like their album is almost reflective of the current times that we're in in 2020 and whatever this runoff the toilet overflowed. So now we have to deal with the water situation that is 2021. Um, But Avatar, I love Avatar and their music's so catchy. Uh, And the biggest thing for me for Avatar is their music's just fun. It's just a good fucking time. And that's really all that I really ask for from an album is just to have a good time Um, there's nothing really, they're not going to change the world with their music per se, even if they, you know, they may try to, I don't know, but I don't feel like that's their goal. Their goal is to just make good music that they enjoy that other people can enjoy as well. Um, I don't know, but I love Avatar. I mean, I'm a huge fan of them. They are a band that I need to check out, not Avatar, the anime and not Avatar, the movie, (laughs) but Avatar, the actual band, um, It was arguably better than both of those, except for maybe the anime. (laughs) But uh, long story short, Hunter Gatherer is a a great track. It's got a great, um, great album. It's got some great moments. It's got some highlights. It's a fun record. I really do think people should listen to it, uh, especially songs like Colossus. So good. It's just so easy, so bouncy, so catchy. You can uh, dance to it. But you could also headbang to it. You can punch a hole in the wall, or you can, you know, I don't know, prance around the neighborhood. <laughs> I don't know, fucking in your underwear. Um The Hunter Gatherer by Avatar. Great record, loved it. Um the next one on my list, the actual top 10 that which we're getting into now is uh Taylor Swift's folklore. That's number 10. A lot of people are probably like, what the fuck (laughs) right now? Especially if you're a metalhead and you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like, did he just say Taylor Swift on his top 10? Yes, yes, indeed. Um, That album, I I am not a Taylor Swift fan by any means, um, but the two albums that she came out with, which are probably interchangeable. I believe the other one's Evermore. I don't have it in front of me here, but. Folklore is a brand new Taylor Swift. It's not poppy. It's not weird. It's not. It doesn't feel like somebody else made it and Taylor sung over it. You know, a lot of those things, like the Ariana Grande stuff, I, I hated those records. And a lot of people love them, so no offense to you if you do. But um, I hated them because they sounded so... Uh, fake they sounded generated they sounded electronic they sounded like nobody played a single fucking note of a real instrument it's had that kind of feel and i know that's kind of a old school kind of um opinion of those but and taylor swift has some of those albums i guess or records or songs whatever what have you but this record folklore is exactly as it sounds. It's like a folk album. Um, and it really just like tickles those kind of primal pagan sit in a forest with some flowers type of feel. And it sounds so fucked after talking about all these metal bands, but it is such a good record. Like I, I, I couldn't not put it on here. And it was one of those records that I went to frequently because it's so relaxing. It has that coffee shop kind of vibe. It really does feel like a record that it was just Taylor Swift, her guitar, and she wrote music. Like maybe she went to the park with a her acoustic guitar and just, but it, it sounds, it sounds that kind of, feel like that. I I don't know how else to put it other than that, like kind of coffee shop vibe, which I'm all for it because I love me some coffee shops um, and coffee in general. Um, But, um, (laughs) but it has that kind of like that feel that it's really just a girl and her guitar and she's just, or or even a guy doesn't fucking matter. Um, Just somebody in their guitar. That's really just, they're working through their issues through this record. Um. And whether or not the song has anything to do with her, quote, issues or anything like that doesn't fucking matter. It just it feels like there's a lot of heart in the record. There's a lot of soul in it. Um, And that's, to me, brand new for Taylor Swift, somebody I'm not familiar with as far as musically speaking, not an artist that I've really covered in the past too much uh, or really listened to much. But Folklore and Evermore, to a certain degree, Folklore is the much better version um, are just so good. I, I really do recommend everybody listen to it because I think it will surprise you what it is. Um, it's not the Taylor Swift everybody knows. It's not that name recognition. It's just a good album. It's it's a good. It's chill, but it's also a little bit dark on the darker side. It's Taylor cursing, which, you know, she's had this 16 year old vibe and she's what? Probably in her 30s now or something like that. I'm assuming I don't fucking know. Don't don't at me, bro. (laughs) Let me look this bitch up before I get too much to Taylor Swift age. (laughs) There we go. 31. So I was right. So go fuck yourself. (laughs) But she's closer to my age than anything. Else, But it has that kind of vibe where it's finally like it feels like Taylor Swift is coming out of like this weird shell that she was stuck in with like the Disney Channel bullshit and the pop music and she's just doing what she wants to do now she curses in it it's a bit darker. And it's it just feels like she's being herself, and that like I said, it's a it's an album with a lot of heart and soul. And I'm going way too far into this fucking album, but it is an album that everybody should check out. The whole album is good. Go listen to it. Go buy it. Et cetera, et cetera. Support your artists. Support your artists. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Deftones, number nine. Um. Ohms is the name of the album, 2020, Deftones. It was the first Deftones album in a long time, and it is Deftones. It sounds like Deftones. It, I went into it expecting something shit, and it was fucking amazing, and I listened to it constantly. It was the penultimate album as far as how I felt mood-wise in 2020, because let's be honest, there was a lot of anger going around. There was a lot of sadness going around, a lot of depression and loneliness, a lot of fear, related in 2020, all the negative emotions, but really Deftones summed it all up the best. It's just, everybody was a little bit moody (laughs) and that's the best way to describe it. And Deftones was the perfect kind of representation of how I felt in 2020, where it's just, you feel a little bit empty because there's nothing happening. Um, And that's not to say that's a bad thing one way or another, but um, that's basically what this made me feel. And the album itself is good. It's got a lot of catchy moments. The guitar work is phenomenal. All of the composition, the production value, um, the way that they compose these songs is so good. And, And it's really an album I went to a lot, and I have still frequently gone to every now and then. One that I purchased, and I don't own a single Deftones record, so... I am not the I am not the biggest Deftones fan. I love White Pony, of course, but I haven't really listened to their back catalog too much. Um, that wasn't really my thing back in the '90s or anything like that. So, um, but Ohms is a great record, and it has something for everybody, whether or not you're a Deftones fan or not. I think it's a really good record that anybody can enjoy. Um, so, cutting that one short there, so we can kind of move forward and get this uh, get this stuff out of the way. Um. Number eight, I believe. I haven't stopped counting. Um, (laughs) So number eight is uh, Fit for a King, The Path. I got a couple of metal ones to get through here. Um, But these next two records, I feel, are probably similar reasons why I like them. These are records that came out kind of early in 2020, early-ish, that I didn't get to until late. Um, Fit for a King, The Path, is probably the most recent record I've de- started getting into. And I know that some of that stuff that I talked about, because of being too recent, I, you know, maybe didn't want to give it a chance, like Killer could Be Killed or something like that, um, need to sit on it a little bit more. This is not the case, because I've actually heard a lot of the songs on this record throughout the year. I just never sat and listened to the album. I bought this as soon as I heard it, like it, it was one of those records. Like as soon as I heard it, it was one on Spotify. I was like, I need to own this. Um, plus, the vinyl is gorgeous. The album cover is so pretty. That angel or whatever, um, turning the stone, it looks like, or maybe the opposite. So good. Fit for a King. It's not a band I've ever heard of. I don't know if they have any other albums out there, but the path, it's one of those like death death core kind of. Heavy music, but it's also very welcoming, very accessible for a lot of people. Um, it is a little bit more selfish of a choice, but it's a song. It's an album that I can't stop listening to since it came out um, or since I started first listen to it. And I think everybody else should. So um, the next one, uh, album seven, Alpha Wolf, A Good Place to Die. Very similar reasons to Fit for a King. Um but I don't think that this one is as accessible to everyone else. So this is this one and probably the next album I'm about to talk to are a little bit more selfish uh, records as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but Alpha Wolf is is that um, it's that record that if you've had a bad day, this is a good album to listen to. Um, this came out or I first started hearing this album when Cyberpunk, uh, 2077 or whatever the fuck that video game's called um, when that came out because I pre-ordered that and I have the PS4, the base model um, anyone who knows video games know that that was a fucking mistake <laughs> because that game is fucking broken and you know what brought me joy during all of those hard sessions on cyberpunk when the game didn't want to work and sometimes crashed and corrupted my entire system alpha wolf alpha wolf was the album i went to because if i needed something to bang my head and be mad about the world alpha wolf a good place to die is that fucking album um it's just that you want to stroll around in your apartment throwing your arms everywhere and shit See, so you, you want to mosh it's it's a great record as far as how people feel in 2020 um, it's that angry side of it so whereas Taylor Swift was more of the kind of chill or Deftones I should say not Taylor Swift uh, Deftones was more of the moody side of 2020 Alpha Wolf was the angry side so that was the side that I'm like I'm gonna fuck shit up <laughs> that was that kind of thing Um, Alpha Wolf, a good place to die. A phenomenal metal record. If you're not a metalhead, it probably isn't for you, but, um, absolutely amazing. One step above that at, at number six, again, completely a selfish choice. But when I heard this record, much like Alpha Wolf and Fit for a King, it was one of those records that I'm like, fuck yes, bro. (laughs) Fuck yes. Cabal, drag me down. I have not seen this once on any top ten list, period. And I don't know if it was an underlooked album or something like that. But Cabal, a good place, uh, Cabal, a good place to die. That's Alpha Wolf. Cabals drag me down is so sick. <laughs> that's really the best way to put it. it. It is really one of those records that hits so fucking hard. Um, it really is. Um, it's, I would say it's a little bit on the darker side as far as metal is concerned. Um, But that record hits so hard and that's the best way I can, re- that's the best review I can really give it is that as soon as I heard it, I was like, this is good. Whatever this is, this is good. You can hear the technicality in it. You can hear the amount of time that they put in this record. And it's not half-assed. It's not a, there's a lot of metal records out there, especially some of the black metal bands. No offense to people who are fans of that. Cause I do like black metal, but some of that stuff is very tedious and boring, very generic kind of cookie, cookie cutter. Better get the tremolo picking and the blast beats and shit like that. Cabal isn't that way. There is some of that in there. You get some of the stereotypical sounds that metal carries, but this album is very unique to the artist that made it. It is very unique to Cabal because I haven't heard any metal bands that sound like Cabal, even though it's probably more on the deathcore side of the spectrum, which I do like deathcore and all those alpha wolf that for King, those kind of things. Um, But I love it. I I love Cabal. I bought it immediately. I bought the vinyl, um, which came with a digital download, which I'm very happy. So I can listen to my car and I can listen to it in the vinyl player when I get home. And I've listened to it several times, especially on days that I just need I just need that punch in the face. (laughs) You know what I mean? So. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Number five is Kid cuddy Man on the Moon 3. This is 100% a selfish choice, bro. These are all selfish choices, to be fair, but Kid cuddy's Man on the Moon 3. That's the most recent record on this list. Oh, I love it so much, man. I love it so, so much. Um, Man on the Moon 1 and Man on the Moon 2. I've done a Kid Cudi discography. I actually plan on doing this album individually, so I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it because I'm going to add it probably to that discography review I did of Kid Cudi. But if you know anything about me, then you know Kid Cudi is a crutch for me. I love Kid Cudi's music, and it really is, like I said, 100% selfish. Kid Cudi is one of those artists that if... Um, you know, I went through a breakup at a time or had a hard time in my life. Um, Kid Cudi was that person that kind of pulled me out of it. Um, those darker kind of times that where your your brain's just not settling the way it should or you're not in the right headspace or whatever it might be. Kid Cudi is one of those artists that I can always go to and have a good time with because it is cool, nice, vibing, kind of spacey music. And it and it's just it gets you in the right kind of place. Uh, I don't really know the best way to kind of describe it. It's kind of psychedelic. Um, prob- a lot of people probably think of him as like a weed kind of person or a pothead kind of band. He really is not. The 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 music itself is very emotional. There's a lot of emotion in it. A lot of it is Kid Cudi himself. It's his emotions and his kind of battles with depression and things like that. But it, it's so you vibe with it the whole time. It's so good. The music's so good. It clicks. And honestly, when Man on the Moon 3 started and you hear that classic kind of Man on the Moon vibe, I, I fucking fell in love immediately. I was like. It's back, bitches. (laughs) The trilogy is here. (laughs) It's fucking amazing. And unlike Jurassic Park 3, Man on the Moon 3 is a fucking great ending to this trilogy. Now, I don't know if he's planning a fourth one one way or the other. Um, Some say that the satellite flight one was kind of a good kind of intermediary kind of thing or a spinoff record, if you will. Um, same thing with like that Cud, which I love indie cut. It's a great album. Um, but Man on the Moon 3 just hits and it's a hip hop. It's very hip hop fun. It, it's got some kind of trap elements. And I know some people have said that it's a little bit like Travis Scott's music. So if you're into that kind of thing, you might actually enjoy this album as well. Um, again, this is a very selfish choice though for me because I like Kid Cudi and I don't like his stuff automatically. There were some things again. Go to that discography that I didn't really care for with uh, "Speeding Bull to Heaven," for instance. Um, so some of those things, some of those albums are not great. He's not always a hundred percent there. But "Man on the Moon 3, he was a hundred percent there. I've loved this record since it was released. I already bought the vinyl. I'm waiting for 20, I'm waiting for February to get it released here. So. Um, Nonetheless, that's my number five spot, Kid Cudi. So we are on the top five motherfuckers. (laughs) So uh, number four, this is a record that a lot of people have seen, um, and I've heard some mixed kind of reactions on whether or not it deserves to be in top tens. I think it does personally. But Poppy, I disagree. <laughs> uh, some people are shaking their heads right now, and then some people are excited as fuck. <laughs> but yeah, the number three spot. Oh, Kit Cuddy was four, Uh, technically. Uh, whatever, man. Who gives a shit? Uh, so that uh, was top ten. Then. Avatar was ten. Taylor Swift was nine. Deftones was eight. Fit for a King was seven. Alpha Wolf was six. Cabal was five. Kid Cudi was four. Um, so Poppy makes the number three record of the year. Poppy. I disagree. Um, I don't even know how to describe this record to somebody. It is one of the most unique sounding albums I've ever heard in my life. Um, I don't know. Honestly, these top three albums can, I can say that to all of them. They're all the most unique sounding things I've ever heard. Um, especially the number one spot, which we'll get to. But Poppy's, I disagree. It's very genre-bending. It it felt like Poppy intentionally, even though she's signed to Sumerian Records and even though um, that's a metal record label, she is not necessarily a metal band. Poppy does whatever the fuck Poppy wants to do. And that's what this album is a very good reflection of. And it felt like Poppy doing what Poppy wants to do. Like I just said, (laughs) for some reason, twice, but, um, it's so good. And it's, it's very genre bending in the sense that you may get a song with a pop moment, uh, like her namesake, I suppose Uh, you might get a metal moment. There might be a fucking breakdown mid song. You'll get a song with fever three, three, three in there, um, and then you'll also get like sometimes these nice kind of comfy sitting in the flowers kind of moments. And I don't really know how to describe it other than it's one of the most unique sounding albums you will ever hear in your life. And it's it may not click with you that that's kind of why I think a lot of people are struggling to or like with this album is because it's not necessarily one of those albums that has one sound and follows through till the end. Poppy does whatever the fuck she wants in every single song. Songs like Don't Go Outside have this nice kind of melodic, fun vibe that's just kind of, don't go outside. And then you get songs like, uh, I don't know, Scary Mask, where it's just like, (laughs) That's a bad representation of the song, but uh, something like that. I think that might have been a single outside of the album. But nonetheless, um, just even the title track, I disagree, is one of the weirdest things. It has... Um, some kind of Japanese feel to it as well. So if you're an anime fan, you might actually like some of this stuff. Um, In a lot of ways, she's been compared to baby metal, but baby metal is strictly one kind of genre where Poppy does what Poppy wants. (laughs) So uh, whether or not you like it is up for debate, but it's one of the most unique albums you will ever hear in your life. And I promise you, uh, you will enjoy it by the end. It, it is one that I frequently went to. Um, I do enjoy Poppy's music mostly because it's catchy as shit. All of her music is extremely catchy. even the weird stuff is very catchy, easy to sing along to. Simple kind of lyrical flows. Um, and she's she's really nailed down the hooks. like as far as like that is concerned, that's what people hunt for. typically those hooks that kind of get people stuck in. She nailed that shit, as far as I'm concerned. Like, all of her music from her first album, Until I Disagree, which I think there's three albums, uh, just all have that hook. She's got the choruses that will really just stick with you all day and really will just encourage you to go and repeat listens through these albums. Um, I don't really know how to describe it otherwise. I think I've pretty much covered it. It's just a... It's a poppy passion project that works so fucking well. Poppy passion project. And I say that four times fast. (laughs) So um, and I really like it. I I think it was one of the most unique records I heard this year. And I kept going back to it consistently because, again, catchy as shit, good album, interesting kind of shit going on. Um, And it just worked. It just it came out early in the year. Listen to it all year. Um, So, yeah, there we go. The number two spot, which we're on the top two. Look at that intro, not. Fluid Existential Inversions. Nobody's going to know who the fuck this band is. (laughs) Um, I did see uh, Metal Injection, some of the writers at Metal Injection put this on their lists. I really do think that this is the one album of this entire list that the least amount of people probably listen to on this top ten. So I don't really know... uh, really how to describe this, because again, these top three albums are very odd. Intronaut is one of those bands that is, I would probably, I I hate to do it, but I kind of compare it to Periphery, but it doesn't have that kind of alt deathcore sound or anything like that, or metalcore sound at all, or anything like that. Um, But they are a very progressive band, and in some aspects they are a little bit metal, but in some aspects they're not. They really are a unique kind of sound. And it is so, so cool to listen to. It is, it is the ready player one of this list because it's one of those albums that much like ready player one had the, the reason you go back to it is to see what you missed. Um, and ready player one is one of those movies that, you know, you go back to because you want to see all the Easter eggs. You, who who did they include? What are the video game characters that you may have missed the first couple of watches? Uh, intronaut is very similar in the fact that you, you want to go back to it because you feel like you didn't really listen to all of it when you, the first time you listened to it. So you need to check it out again. Like, Oh my God, I didn't, I didn't even notice that what the fuck that guitar is doing in the background. Uh, the guitar work is phenomenal. All of the work in this band is phenomenal, but it also maintains while it's so weird and kind of progressive and the guitar is kind of bouncing around a lot on the board. Um, it's still very melodic like it carries a lot of melody the time signatures are weird and yet it still makes you beat your head to like a four four beat and it's still like it's just a weird record that works very well and is one of the most technical records on this album i don't know how they even begin to put something like this together my guess is guitar first um, because I think they probably build the melody from the guitar riffs, and the guitars are very, very interesting. Um, if anybody's ever heard, um, uh, oh, blanket on it, Mastodon, uh, Mastodon is has a very similar, especially their newer album, that Jaguar God album, has a very kind of similar stylization, except Intronauts probably a little less on the growly side of metal. Uh, than Mastodon is, but it has the same kind of, you know, flicking around guitar riffs and the bass, intricate bass melody lines and all this stuff. So long story short, it's a weird record, but it's also one that I revisited almost all the time. I bought this one on vinyl as well. I bought all of these that are on my list on vinyl, with the exception of Taylor Swift's Folklore, because it's a little bit expensive, um, and Deftones Ohms. But um, they're all... uh, I mean, this is just the weird one. I don't really know how to, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. It's a fucking phenomenal record, and I don't really know how to describe it. So I wish I could sell it better. (laughs) I'm a little sad that I can't, I'm not selling the record very well. But um, it is something that is so compelling and interesting, and much like Pucifer or something like that, you're really going to be hooked by the weirdness of it. Um, and it is weird and it's got some weird time signatures and yet it's so melodic and fun while also being retro and modern at the same time. It really just kind of fluctuates in those kind of categories. Those weird, either it's weird or it's, you know, something you've heard before, but nonetheless, you're going to bang your head. You're going to dance. You're going to have a good time. You're going to want to re-listen to him to see what you missed, And that is what I've done all year since it got released as I've re-listened to this album several, several times. Um, so yeah, there we go. Intronaut Fluid Existential Inversions. I really recommend you listen to it. Check it out on Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. They're a great band. Um, some of their other albums are really good too. I've listened to some of their stuff since I listened to this one. Um, there you go. So, all right. The album of the year out of... However the fuck many I listened to, 400-something albums, 498 albums, almost 500. Man, I could have thrown two more in there. (laughs) Fuck. Um, Almost 500 albums that I listened to in 2020. Code Orange, Underneath, is the number one album of the year. It is the best record I listened to in all of 2020. It was hands down the best album I listened to. I don't give a fuck what anybody says about the record. It is one of the most coolest, unique sounding records I've ever heard. Uh, again, just like Poppy and Intronaut, it is so weird and I fucking love it. I can't get enough of it. It is the one record that I have consistently listened to almost, almost once a week since it was released. And despite all the 500 albums, I might listen to something like, I don't know, Alanis Morissette's Such Pretty Forks in the Road, folks. Some Pretty Fucks in the Road. (laughs) Um, But something like that album, I might listen to that one for the sake of the podcast, and then I'll go back to Code Orange. It's one of those albums that I revisited the most out of all 500 albums. I bet I listened to code orange 500 times. <laughs> so it's one of those records that I could not stay away from despite how weird and quirky it is. And it's not for everybody. I get it. There's a lot of people that kept saying it's not like their first album or their last album. I should say, I I don't think any of their records sound the same. So anyone who's like, well, it wasn't like forever. Who gives a shit? (laughs) None of their records sound like their last record. Like Ever since they were code, uh, Code Orange kids, their records are different and unique every single time. They reinvent themselves with every album. And every single time, it's weird, it's heavy as fuck, and it's also so, so intriguing and compelling at the same time. And I like Code Orange's Underneath more than their last record. And I love their last record. That was their album of the year then. Code Orange Underneath is the album of the year now. I don't really have a better way to put it other than, you know, some people find it to be just noise. Um, it is, he- there's a lot of heavy electronics in it. I admit that there's a lot of electronics in it. Some of that stuff I probably could have done without. Um, but it's like, it builds an atmosphere and it's, it's almost like, um, oh man, I'm trying to think of a good, good example. It's almost like listening to a horror movie, like listening to a horror, a horror video game or something like there's video games out there that have a similar kind of aesthetic, like that kind of techie, but also demonic and also kind of clones. And I, I don't really know. It's just like, uh, it's not even cyberpunk. it's really just like tech horror uh tech slash body horror technology horror that type of thing. The matrix, but also not <laughs> you know it's it really the matrix is probably a good example because that dynamic between the real world and the uh the matrix itself that is basically a good description of code oranges underneath because it's that kind of weird-as-shit album that is so cool, and it's so interesting to listen to. The songs are really good and yet melodic, despite being weird as fuck. (laughs) You know, there's weird kind of TV hisses and such and static noises that are going on, and then the guitar comes in and it's heavy as shit. The lyrics are catchy when they come in, and then it switches to this weird kind of dark flange Metallica-esque intro or, you know, kind of arpeggio moment. The guitars are, not the guitars, the drums and the bass are heavy as shit. Everything about about Code Orange underneath was interesting, weird, compelling, and got me to keep going back to it. Because, again, just like Fluid Existential Inversions, there was something to be had by every listen-to. Every listen-through felt fresh. It felt like it just released every time I listened to it. It felt like the first time I would heard it, even though I had heard it several times, it just maintained that kind of freshness. It was a Twinkie in an apocalypse. It was didn't expire. It never got old. It never got weird. It never it got well, it's weird. The whole album's weird, but it never got bad or stale or anything like that. It always felt unique and fresh, and is one of the most unique and new sounding bands of all time. And they've even said this before: where there's a problem in the world where people want new stuff. But they don't want new stuff. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of things like people want re don't want remakes or you know remasters or things like that of movies that they knew and love as a kid and like Blade Runners. They don't want a new Blade Runner. They don't they don't want a Dune movie. They don't want all it, uh, we've seen it before. Do something new and interesting. And then when that new and interesting Thing comes out they're like no don't do that we want more dune <laughs> you know we want we want this to be redone we want remaster is a reissue i mean it's there's no winning it's like a constant seesaw motion of these things code orange is a new band that is a new genre i don't know what it is it is technically metal but it's the weirdest metal you'll ever hear in your life and it's one of the most unique sounding bands i've ever heard in my entire fucking life And I don't think that will change. (laughs) So um, I think their next album is going to be just as weird, funky and odd as their last couple of records. And I love it to death. I want more of it. Give me all of it. (laughs) So uh, Code Orange Underneath is definitely my album of the year. I know it's not everybody's. It may be too weird for some people. Um, I get it. Whatever. You know, it's you have your Welcome to give me your opinion. That's what Instagram, Twitter and Facebook is. Why didn't you like it? Don't don't just tell me that my opinion is dumb. Tell me why you didn't like Code Orange, because it didn't sound like the last record or you were hoping for the last record and it wasn't like that. That goes the that's the same for any of these records. Don't. Just attack people for having different opinions. You should give your opinion within your attack. (laughs) So it's okay if you call me a stupid idiot, but why? Why? Why do you think my opinion isn't relevant or something like that? You know, Um, just don't attack people because twenty twenty is hard enough. We don't need that kind of garbage. Um, So why didn't you like Code Orange? Um, If you if you didn't like it, it's fine. You don't have to like it, but. Getting off on a tangent, doesn't fucking matter. These are my top 10. Avatar, Hunter Gatherer, Taylor Swift, Folklore, Deftones, Ohms, Fit for a King of the Path, Alpha Wolf, A Good Place to Die, Cabal, Drag Me Down, Kid Cuddy, Man on the Moon 3, Poppy, I Disagree, Intronaut, Fluid, Existential Inversions, and Code Orange Underneath. What were your top 10 albums of the year? Let me know. Like I said, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you can reach Buttermilk Boulevard Podcast and let me know what your favorite artists were. I'm going to post something soon with all of these albums. I'm going to put as many fucking albums I can in a collage, and here's a new episode for you. Go check it out. Let me know what your albums are. Tell me what your favorite bands were this year. Who did you discover? Who did you hate? Who did you love? Let me know in the comments, and in the Instagrams, Facebooks, and Twitters. You know how they fucking work. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast. I'm going to leave this episode here now what we've covered number one. I appreciate you listening again. If you have new to the podcast, welcome. If you're joining us from Spotify and Amazon Music, that's fucking awesome. I'm excited that you found us. Um, consider subscribing to the podcast or following or whatever it might be. Um, For more content in the future, let me know what artists you'd like me to cover in future episodes. And with that script done, thank you. I have been James. Everybody, take care. Be safe out there. And come back next time and let's talk about music. With Buttermilk Boulevard, I am James. Y'all have a good one. Rock on and peace out.